Tanel and Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Plowline Podcast. Today, Jerry and I are going to be another doing another in the series of Down with Brown, All Right with White. This is episode number three. How's it episode going? number three of Down with Brown, All Right with White. Yeah, so I guess it's volume three. Volume three. Episode yep. 11, volume three. Episode 11, volume three. You're supposed to say that you're down with brown, and I'll say all right with white. Right, I forgot that. Yeah, I am down with brown. And I'm all right with white. People are, I bet there's I bet there's people out there that are like, what the fuck? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But that's the point. Right, right. It is. You know? It is. It's the point. And you know, I mean, but I think what I want is yeah. I wanna make sure that um I wanna make sure that everyone knows that, you know, sometimes or the conversations that we have on the Plowline podcast is really the kind of conversations that can trigger some people. It can make people upset. It could, you know, I mean, it, it can just um, evoke emotion. And so if they're going to listen to this podcast, I think we should really preface it with the fact that just stick with those emotions. Stick with it and ask questions, you know, ask yourself questions. Why am I feeling this way? Why is it that when a brown girl says that she's all right with white, I feel a certain way? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the other piece of that is that it's a, um, you know, we're we're playing with words a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. right. one, one of the things we talk about a lot in our household is... Um, is this idea that um, you know there's really no such thing as white, and there's at least as far as the skin color is concerned, and um, you know, and um, and when we're we're reducing ourselves down to the color of our skin um, as um, as an identifier, we are really actually identifying or uh, reducing ourselves down to the lowest common denominator. Lois, you know, we're we're not, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, ethnicity, where your people come from. Um, we're not talking about indigenous roots, which all people have, um, including those of European descent. We're not talking about, um, you know, we're we're not talking about any sort of precision of language in the conversations around, um, uh, you know, ethnicity. Um, inclusion and what that means um you know uh, when we're just talking about the color of people's skin it is it is the simplest form of description well it's what we see right it's what we see and and we we judge things we relate to things by what we see and a lot of times we can also look at a person and even though to me i'm looking at a person who is of european descent or white i can automatically make an assessment about them that they're not indigenous they hold no blood of their ancestors because they look white and their blonde hair and blue eyes and i think that's kind of bullshit because yeah it's a completely inaccurate right it erases everything else of who they are right and sometimes i feel that individuals who show up the way that we perceive someone to look so if if someone is filipino and I can look at them and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're Filipino, so things match. Then it's easier for me to just treat them or speak to them or interact with them on how I would with any other Filipino. Sure. I mean, you know, your family didn't grow up in the Philippines for five generations, but uh, but you still have enough Filipino um cultural roots in, um, you know, within your family in order to even be able to. 
um, somewhat relate to um, to an individual who grew up in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Although it is interesting to to see how the dynamic between um, you know somebody who has Filipino roots and grew up in Hawaii or even California, right, right, and uh, and somebody who um, who was born and raised in the Philippines and see how. Um, how that dynamic changes when you interact with those individuals. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, um, the best description for whiteness and uh, from our perspective and, and, um, and really the proper place for where whiteness should kind of be placed in this conversation is whiteness is a social dynamic and it's a, we call it the cloak of whiteness. Um, that uh, that some of us are born um, easily able to don the cloak of whiteness. Um, and those are people um, who might be blue-eyed and blonde-haired on the outside, but could easily have um, 25%, one-third you know, percent, more or less of African-American DNA, Asian DNA, um, you know, that it absolutely could exist within those people. Right, right. And, uh, and so, you know, that's what is called white passing. And, um, and then, uh, the, you know, the cloak of whiteness can also be donned by people of color, people who, uh, <coughs> who, who, uh, um, you know, grew up in, in maybe circumstances of wealth or, or perhaps were able to build wealth for themselves right. or, um, and you know, the cloak of whiteness allows for a certain ease of operation within this culture. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I donned the cloak of whiteness. Still do. And yeah. And the, you know, I mean, it's like we can find a place of, um, grace and power when we realize and we can actually see ourselves as being able to code switch you know for people of color and i know it's really difficult for some people to hear that and it's it's sad because you know here we are we're talking about um our dna we're talking about the uh, blood quantum we're talking about you know how much percent we are of um you know this ethnicity and that ethnicity a long time ago everybody was just you know native american or hawaiian we had all of these singular ethnicities around the world and we figured out how to travel we figured out how to um colonize other places to grow, to learn, to live, to acclimate for survival. Mm-hmm. And throughout all of that, we, um, yeah, un- un- unfortunately, we, as human beings, we always feel like we are bigger and better than the other person. So we dominate and annihilate individuals without even thinking about it. And and we all, every culture has done that. Every culture has done that. Yeah. And, you know, as I was uh, going through my own decolonization and thinking about what happened to my people, and then I have to sit back and I have to think about which part of my people am I going to look at just the Chinese or the Portuguese or the Filipino or the Spanish or the Hawaiian or any of that and deny the rest. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about honoring our ancestors, we should honor all of them, right? We should, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, I believe that we should, but now... We uh, are so mixed that we have the uh, science to be able to check our um, DNA to see how much of this and that we have. And a lot of people are against it, and I get it, you know, where they're like, this is fake, and this is all of these things. And and um, there's the other part of me that 
also thinks that, you know how people are quote unquote white passing, mm-hmm. right? They can, they can go and do whatever. They're like, okay, I, I, can, I can just blend in to the dominant world. And other people who can't will look at that individual and be like, oh, wow, that person is, that person's white and they got all of this and they'll be upset like, well, yeah, she's, she's riding on white privilege and it's her power and it's all of these things. They'll find all the negativity in why she's doing something wrong mm-hmm. without even stopping to think of what they're doing in regards to um, perpetuating the harm and also not looking at how there's a different side to every coin that if you're going to concentrate on the characteristics and the phenotype that's going to make you feel uncomfortable because of of who you are then it's really not the other person's problem that they're able to just navigate the world the way that they do. Right. And And it it really isn't the other person's problem. Right. They were literally born that way. They were born that way. And so do we like, do we strike them down? Do we say, oh, they're not us because they can't do this? Now, that's just one part of it. There is the other piece of, um, of, you know, people who look like me, um, also coming to a place of understanding, um, understanding what that privilege, uh, how, how their ability to navigate in this culture is different. Um, and, uh, and that is what is called privilege. That is, that's the, that's where it comes from. It's the, it's the idea, um, and the reality that, um, that I am a white male, um, heterosexual. I am tall. I'm strong. I'm strikingly good looking. <laughs> I'm, I'm been, when I make a joke, like there's an appropriate time to laugh. You are honey. I, um, you I, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, there, there are, there are certain things that come with that, um, that, um, that are inherent that I've had to learn along the way, become aware of along the way. Um, and, um, and, uh, could have made choices in order to double down on some of those things, you know, use them, um, in, in ways, uh, that would, um, advance me or better, uh, my situation, but might not necessarily be the right thing to do. Um, and, um, and, the society is set up in a way, the social system is set up in a way in which um, people who look like me can move through it. And that, um, you know, that that works with um, with, you know, my phenotype, um, mm-hmm. how I look on the outside that looks with, uh, you know, the color of my skin that that works with my class, um, you know, what socioeconomic status my family comes from and where I find myself as an adult male. Um, you know, uh, some of that comes with my education, um, and, um, and, um, you know, those things, um, those things all allow me to navigate this culture Mm -hmm. differently than somebody else. And, um, um, to become aware of that, to take an inventory of that to, and it takes, you know, it's an ongoing thing, you know, once, once I kind of become aware of, of, of this place that, that I'm in, then I can, I can then begin to, um, utilize that as a lens in order to begin to, to, I build that lens and, and, and look at the world and the place in which I live makes a huge difference. You know, if I live in a community that is, um, uh, you know, that is predominantly, um, European American, mm-hmm. you know, they, they look like me, um, right my opportunity in order to um, build that lens to be able to be to challenge myself as far as my perspective and my privilege and and where i'm coming from becomes way limited way limited um and there's a lot of people 
who live in the Midwestern United States. They live in the foothills of, of, uh, of, of the West Coast. They live in the Appalachia. They live, they live in all kinds of different places in this country where there is no exposure to um, people of color. Um, you know, maybe they've got, you know, one kid in school or something. Right. But it's limited. Right. And, you know, it's like, um, and it's okay. It's it's okay that that's how they live. But they also have to realize that that is a small bubble compared to the rest of the world. It's a small bubble compared to the rest of the world, but that also requires another lens. Mm-hmm. And that is a lens of of um, community beyond beyond um, their present uh, where where they where they presently are located it's it's community beyond their current location right Um, you know and um, and the most logical the most logical connection to that is um, they're a part of the greater American community and with that if we really want to begin to hone you know I live let's say I live in this place where it's predominantly people who look like me or everybody looks like me and I do really want to kind of hone this perspective. I can project my my sense of community, my sense of place beyond where my location is. Um, and I so America or, you know, the state of Louisiana or the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can think about, all right, what's the history here? OK, if it's Virginia or Louisiana. Well, these were major slave ports. OK, so there's that, um, you know. Millions of people were brought in um, over the course of about 180, 200 years, um, forcibly taken from their homelands and, and, and brought in here. So now we can kind of think about that. Then we can kind of think about the history and the mathematics of that. Okay, so we're talking about 600 years of slavery, which the United States was hugely a part of. And we are, we are you know, we're only about 160 years away from emancipation. Which leaves, you know, what, um, uh, 460 years of, uh, of, of slave trade in the Americas? Um, you know, so we've got way more time in, mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a, a group of colonists and country in, within the boundaries of slavery than we do outside of slavery. What effect does that have? Right. Do we really think this conversation is over? Do we really think the civil rights movement in the 60s was the end of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, so we can start to kind of utilize these um, greater perspectives on community and question these things and gather information to build that lens for ourselves, even when we aren't necessarily experiencing um, um, interpersonal interaction with people who don't look like us. You just did something really interesting, <clears throat> and I just recognized it that you start way out here like you start i mean for me the way that i'm looking at it i'm like wow he starts way out here with community i don't think that's where it starts i think it starts with um right where you are i think it starts with relationships and um if if you are in i just totally heard you gulp that yeah I got the noise gate too high. <laughs> anyway, so I think I think when when individuals start with themselves with the land that they're on, and they connect with the land, then they can um, connect with everything else mm. that is connected to that land. I think that's well said. And the people of that land. So it's like you're connected to the um, environment right so up here in the pacific northwest it snows once a year and everything shuts down and you know what i mean but but we we know how to layer up we know how to gear up for that we know how to deal with that mm-hmm. um but people that's down in the south they don't know anything about that because they've never experienced it so that's the first layer is being um, connected um, to the land when you can connect to the land and you connect to the greater ether, to the universe, then I'm hoping that you're able to see the planet as a whole. And 
as a, and looking at the planet, you know which way the sun is setting, which way the moon is rising, when is, you know, when it's going to be summer. You don't need calendars. You don't need any of that. All you need is the connection with everything. That when we do move beyond the boundary of self, I think it prepares us to be in community with everything else. Mm-hmm. That you can find the the acceptance of difference because you know that this is the way the world is this is the way the universe is it 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 um it balances itself with with the with the uh just the differences of everything Hmm. and then you have then you realize at that point you hit that aha moment where you're like oh shit we are all fucking connected. Yeah. We, wait a minute, I am part of the community. The community is part of me. Yeah. What I do to myself, I'm going to do to the community, so I better not fuck it up. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that is, I think that you're describing really the ultimate destination. And there's many ways into it. Um, um, you know, meditation can be a form into it. Um I think that um, ultimately, if we're going to get somewhere as a human race, as a human, a single human race, we're going to have to start see our, seeing ourselves as that. We're going to have to start seeing ourselves as as one human entity that currently inhabits this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is, is that in three hundred years, I I just you know, with 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 um, where we've come in 150 years, in 300 years, I just can't imagine. Uh, unless we really, really, really want to make something out of it, I just can't imagine why and how race um, and ethnicity w- would would be a continuous issue. You know, like we have an opportunity in order to um, talk this out, in order to work this out, in order to figure this out. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and and imagine the power. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so imagine this. You have your people, right? Your people is like um, up in the in the northern part of the world. So you know how to navigate snow and everything like that and all these things. My people are down in the islands. We know how to navigate waves. We know how to navigate the ocean, the ocean, the stars. Right. We know how to do that. We know how to fish. We need to, you know, and all of these things that if we, if we, if this entire planet decided, I don't know, chaos happened or, you know, a meteor hit or you know, something catastrophic, that if we already lived the way that we're thinking about how, you know, how we can be acceptance of difference there probably wouldn't be so much chaos Mm. in it all where we can just be like, oh, let's go to the South. And, you know, it's like, oh, the meteor hit the North. The South should be like, you know what? Welcome your doors. People are going to be coming in and we need to teach them how to fish. We need to welcome them to our land. We need to do this. I mean, that's what I would like to think um, happened with my people, right? I mean, my ancestors that of all of these mixed race that I have, that instead of looking at the Spaniards coming over and uh, raping and, you know, pillaging the villages of the Philippines, that they were like, we need your help. And the Filipinos were like, come on in. We got food. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what happened. I know. I mean, that's in my head. I'd like to, I'd yeah. like to look at that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, I think that as, you know, we, we do have the potential to um, to make a different decision rather than, you know, in catastrophe or um, going forward um, in how we choose to interact with each other. But it's going to depend on we're going to have to become a species of of um, of uh, abundance, not a species of scarcity. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to realize that. Uh, um, you know that 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 the universe is a place of abundance, and that's oftentimes difficult to see for ourselves when we are um, stuck in um, 
moments and places where scarcity is a reality. Right. You've overfished your oceans, right? You've, um, you know, you've overconsumed the land. You've, um, and there are ways around that. Um, you know, there are, there, there's indigenous practices that, that provide ways around that. Um, you know, part of it is population as well. You know, I mean, there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. Mm-hmm. How many more? Right. How right. many more until we got to start shooting them into the stars? Exactly. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of people, it's like when they hear me, when they hear me, you know, speak, they can hear only, you know, maybe part of my message and they will take that message and they will like make their own stories up about it without hearing the whole entire message. So people that if they just heard me say, oh, we're all about love, we're all about caring, we're all about this and we should like love one another and everything. Okay, yeah. That doesn't mean that if you came to my door and wanting to cause harm, then I ain't going to fucking shoot your ass. Yeah. (laughs) There is that. I will do that. If you're going to cause harm to my family and I know you're going to cause harm, then I'm going to have to take you out. Yeah. Right. So it's like there is definitely that that balance where I don't want anybody to think that I'm just all fucking woo woo and shit like that because I'd fuck you up. No, I wish that made it sound better, but it didn't make it sound any better. Just kidding. And you're not, though. You're actually not. So um, changing subjects, one of the things that we were going to uh, to talk about, um, because part of part of, uh, you know, these um, volumes in our in our podcast are about um, uh, living in a household of, um, you know, of, of mixed ethnicity, living in a household where um, I am of European descent mixed and you are of um, Pacific Islander, Pacific Islander uh, mm-hmm. mixed. Um, and, uh, you know, living here in the Northwest um, where we live and how, you know, and, and, you know, and then who we are as people, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you, you know, for the past decade, um, um, you know, you've been working towards um, some educational and building uh, and then uh, um, building some career goals around um, where you've gone. Um, you're on the verge of having your um, PhD proposal accepted um, to finish out, um, you know, the last now finishing out the last half of your PhD work. Um, that work is um, is in the evolution of Aloha and um, and uh, um, looking at um, utilizing aloha as an action or a verb in how you process and move through the world. Um, you work in um, uh, eth- you know eth- ethnicity and inclusion work within um, equity and inclusion. equity and inclusion work within <laughs> uh, various organizations um, and, we're a single household income. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I um, I um, I work a full time job, um, a job that you know it does what we need it to do. Um, it's not my passion. It's not my, you know, it's not it's not my passion. I'm good at it, you know. Um, uh, but there's a difference between being good at something because you practiced it and you know that you need to be good at it, and um, and uh and following your passion and um you know we're trying to figure out how to uh and we're getting there how to make your work of passion um you know contribute into into the household and that causes tension mm-hmm. i would dare say that it probably has been the biggest source of tension in our 15-year marriage <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Probably. You know, I mean, um, as I'm as I'm thinking as I'm thinking through this, you know, just to be transparent with our listeners is that I was married for eighteen years before what? you. <laughs> I know. I was. You're revealing this now? <laughs> Shut up anyway. But I was um I was married to um Hawaiian Chinese Filipino guy who you know is from Hawaii 
And struggling and doing this was the norm, was the norm. And um, it was, but it was in the opposite way where we were two household income and um, we were making good money and things were, things were good in the front. But I felt like it was just tearing me apart, (laughs) right? It was just like killing me. I knew that I wasn't living to my full potential. And now we're in, I'm in this marriage with you and you've, oh my gosh. (laughs) All right, babe, I'm going to tear up here. (laughs) That's why you've got the cloth. But um, I think you being able to hold that space has brought me to this point, brought me to this point where I could go through, I think one of the most important things in my life was the transformation, mm-hmm. was the decolonization of everything that I was fed and that I was told I needed to be. And that was, that's hard. That's yeah. hard work. And it's not the kind of work you can do overnight. No. Right? <laughs> so there's layers and layers and layers. And, you know, I think one of the thickest layer that I had that almost break us up was when um, I started to touch upon race and the uh, and the uh, uh, racist systems that we exist in Mm -hmm. and then realizing that who I am or where I've come from and the color of my skin has placed me into um, this category of being lesser than because I didn't have access to education because my parents weren't educated and I was a first generation higher ed and all of these things. Your, you know, your native tongue is pigeon. My native tongue is pigeon. And, you know, um, realizing that, holy cow, this is where I'm from. I am from this system or this part of this racist system to keep to keep the oppressed oppressed i didn't even know that i was oppressed i didn't understand i was like wait no i have a loving family and all of these things but where did you live where did you live i lived in the projects i lived in the projects that is way back up in the valley away from the tourists right like just being tucked away and i didn't think about that until this decolonization where I was able to get up onto the sky rise and look down at myself and I'm like oh shit mm-hmm. and then I looked at you I'm like it's because of you it's because of your people this is what you did this is why I'm here and then you know I mean that was that layer and the other layer was like oh whoa 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 wait a minute hold on here hold on here if if there you know I mean Audre Lord talks about how you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Mm-hmm. And I have to think about that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, this is what they did. This is the master's tools. This is the master's house. Well, if education was part of the master's tools, maybe I need to step into that realm, get to know their language, get to know their style, get to know everything else that they do, and then dismantle the system. You know, maybe that's why I'm not getting anything in higher education, because I talk about dismantling the system. Well, that's why you're not, as far as full-time work with uh, within a, yeah, that's why you're not getting any jobs. How many, how many, how many, how many, um, oh my God. how many, uh, Interviews yeah. and um, <laughs> how many decline letters have you received? Okay, <clears throat> um, the last time that I I counted, which was um, well, I just got 
you know, let's, let's put it this way. I just got my 137th denial letter yesterday or, or on Friday. And that's just the ones that actually gave you um, a response. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I think um, I think that, you know, and, and this is kind of the heart of of um, what we've talked about recently on around this subject is. Uh, um there's also another pattern to add in here before we jump into that, which is um, you've applied for numerous director, executive director, VP, uh, which you have the experience for, you have the education for, you have, you know, you you are qualified, um, and um, and you are a predominant face within this region of that work. Um, you know, when you go within the communities of organizations in which you work, people know who you are. Um, you even have a fan base. Um, yeah, I know you don't think so, but you do. And um, and uh, um, predominantly, in fact, I, I would love to see a study done on this. Um, the people who end up getting hired for executive director of equity inclusion, um, vice president of equity inclusion, and I, I started seeing this pattern for myself, right? Like you would you would pull up these profiles of the people that ended up getting the position, and I'd be like, "That's a white, that's a white lady." <laughs> that you know, that's another one. 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 Oh, there's a gay dude. That's another one. That's another one. Right? Like that's like what the fuck's up with that? Why? Why in the world? are what appear to be heterosexual um, European descent women being hired for these positions. Yes, they have education. Yet many of them actually have degrees in equity and inclusion. Um, um, Many of them are experienced. But so are many of the the, um, African-American, Polynesian-American, um, people, Latino American individuals who are applying for this work, and you know, it could be completely anecdotal. It could, I could be completely off my rocker. I would very much like to see a list of the positions within corporations, education systems, of people who are um, upper management and above equity and inclusion departments of you know type departments and. I would like to see what their ethnic background is, because if we're hiring people who are not traditionally the individuals who um, who have firsthand experience with the struggle of um, of equity inclusion, and we're hiring um, we're hiring people who are coming from the place of privilege within that dynamic, we're not changing shit. Right. We're not changing anything. Right. What we're doing is we're managing. Mm-hmm. We're managing shit. That's what we're doing. So that so that those individuals can hire and bring in somebody like you, um, you know, who can fulfill a, a checklist, a requirement of all right, well, you know, we we've we've hired um we've hired a dynamic woman of color to come in and do our three day training and man, is she just really going to she's got a unique way of of uh, of talking through these issues and that's great that's great and it can have real individual change on individuals it can't have organizational change and i don't think that organizations want to change i honestly don't i i think um uh i think that organizations don't see any profit in changing well here's one of the things that i that I hope to see, you know, especially with the work that I'm doing and and how I'm doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work, overlaying it with um, with um, aloha, right, with uh, grace and empathy and love and compassion, because we we have to be able to have these difficult conversations. We we've got to be able to be like, hey, you know what? Why didn't I get hired for this? What's up with that? And I don't think that um, the organizations are are willing to change of leadership. Those that the decision makers, they're not willing to to look at themselves. Or it could also be that 
if they do look at themselves, then they're going against who's above them. So if the entire mission or the, the mission is one thing, how they how they um, um, activate that mission is something different. Yeah. And it right. all depends on the leadership. Absolutely. And so my hope with my work of doing DEI is that if I am going to um, be able to come in and do two, three hours and I change an individual's heart and mind, my hope is that those individuals that are able to see what's happening will have the courage to actually move forward with it. And it's scary to have that kind of courage because if you are a, a mom, a single, a single mom, or if you're like, like us, a single household income, and they do anything to disrupt the system that is feeding them, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to do it. Right. Well, that's the that's the box that I that I'm always talking to you about. You know, like if, as as a some individual who um, who carries you know who carries a you know a job, a job, I, I crawl into a box every morning. You know, and and I usually don't get to take it off until I have maybe a long weekend. Right, like I don't get a chance to even take it off on a Saturday and a Sunday, and I live in that box. Um, I also think, you know, and to be clear, um, you touched on this a little bit. I think that I don't think these organizations are not hiring um, you and individuals uh, who um, may look like you based off of the color of their skin because of um, because of openly prejudiced practices against the color of people's skin. I think that they're not hiring um, people of color because people of color are coming to that. Um, that interview, right, for that job, with a message of change, right? They're coming mm-hmm. to to um, to that table with, um, you know, if I'm brought on board, we're, you know, I'm I'm going to do everything I can towards the mission of of that that this uh, you know that this company um, or organization decides on equity and inclusion, and we are going to we are going to create change, and we are. That scares the shit out of organizations. Organizations don't want that kind of change because that kind of change can be disruptive. And disruptive means that all of a sudden there can be blips and glitches in the bottom line. And that's, you and know, it's going it, to affect them. Right. right. And, and if we hire, you know, the white lady who's got the, you know, master's degree in equity and inclusion, um, we can manage it. We're good. Right. 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 We can manage it. We don't need to change. We can manage that process. We can we can manage that message. And uh, you know, you you I've heard your message. You know, I mean, I, I hear it all the time. I hear your <laughs> I hear your message um, when you come back from interviews and you and you're and you tell me, yeah, I said this, and I'm just like like four, palm to forehead, just like, <laughs> oh my god, you said what? What did you say that for? Like this last one where you said, uh, you know, before they. Um, you know, you said, uh, why don't you guys consider giving out the the interview questions before the interview to everybody? You know, let's decolonize the, the interview process. And I'm like, well, that takes care of that job. Uh, you know, so, OK, good job. <laughs> you know, at the same time, I wouldn't. We need a second income. No, I mean, we do. We really do. We really, really, really do. But All right, Patreon, Patreon page, please, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. I, I need support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Plowline. Go check it out. Please. Become a supporter today. <laughs> please, please come a supporter today because. By the way, that last please <laughs> felt just a little a little desperate desperate well because (laughs) yes we do we need a second income nobody wants to hire me everybody is afraid. they want to hire you they want to hire you they want to hire you for right they want to hire you for consulting you get hired for consulting um you know and and i think this is the important part and this is this is a this is a point of confusion in our marriage and i know it is um because um, putting you in that box that I crawl into every day, it would ruin you. It, well, first off, you wouldn't stay there. 
right? Like, um, you know, you would have that job for three months, and then they would find a way to just be like, hey, thanks so much for being a part of this organization. There's no need to come in tomorrow or the next day or, or ever again. Uh, you just wouldn't stay in the box. And, um, and putting you in that box would destroy you. It would destroy your message. It would destroy, you know, it would destroy the gifts that you've got um, to give. And, um, and that's not the mission here. Um, and <laughs> we really could use a second income. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I've tried. Our health insurance just tripled. <laughs> it did. It did, and that sucks, you know? I mean, it does. And, you know, it's like, I think, you know, like when you were talking, you know, I was telling in the beginning about, you know, being married before and and not being able to live my full self and you giving me the ability and the opportunity to actually um, be my full self, like 110% completely my full self. I know that there is a message that I need to share. What needs to happen is I do need to I need to finish my book. Yes, you do. I need to finish I need to finish my book so that way we have that and um, I want I want I want to go global. I want to go global. I want to be able to take this message of aloha and you know i mean and just to just to let people know if um you haven't heard the other podcasts that uh my research work my doctoral work is actually looking at how we can set the uh, space to engage in aloha and the aloha that i'm using is a derivative of two words of the hawaiian dictionary alo meaning front, and ha, meaning breath. And um, the etymology of aloha, the aloha that was defined by um, ancestors a long time ago, um, claims aloha to be love and grace and mercy and hello and goodbye. And I've, I've taken aloha and expanded on that on the way that we engage in triggering hardcore conversations that can actually change people's perspectives needs to come from a place of grace love mercy and empathy and compassion because if we're not able to come to the table to have these difficult conversations with love, then we're just arguing. Mm -hmm. And when we argue with one another, we're not able to hear one another. And when we're not able to hear one another, we're not able to see one another. And if we can't see each other, why should I even fucking care for you? Yeah. Why would I even care for your existence? Yeah. And that's, that's the... Aloha that I've I've learned to um, not only understand but to live and to be, and that's that's the message that I want to share. And babe, I wouldn't be able to have gotten to this point in my life if it wasn't for you. Well, I appreciate that because I punch it in, punch it in. All right, I'll punch, punch it, in. it in. I would not be able to get to this point in my life if it wasn't for you. You know, and and I mean, here we are. We're we're having. If there's one thing about our relationship that's always been true, we've always had great conversations. We've always encouraged each other to dig deep, and um, and here we are sitting um, behind these microphones lately, doing that with other people. Um, this is awesome. This is exciting. You know, um, it's uh, it's exciting to watch you do what you do. Um, you know, I mean, I struggle with being 46 years old and, and, uh, you know, and having a job. I always envisioned myself as being something more than a, than a, you know, a day to day, um, you know, traffic slogger. But, uh, 
Um, but um, at the same time, through your encouragement and oftentimes um, very confrontational encouragement, because it, I'm not always an easy person I, to listen. You know, I don't I don't listen very well sometimes. You know, I've discovered my artist. You know, I've, it, over time, I've discovered my artistic side. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, like I, I love my painting. I love this podcast. I love, uh, you know, I love, I love the the things that the space in between the notes of my life is growing. Yay, babe! Look, you found gratitude. You found gratitude. Now you've got. You've got like 20 more days to find gratitude in your life, and it'll become part of your habit. It'll become of who you are. <laughs> I love your, I love your religious, um, beholding to memes. 21 days of gratitude will change your life. It might. What work. is this bullshit? Don't text me this stuff. <laughs> it might. It might work. Yeah. Who knows? We need all the help we can get. Uh-huh. You know. What I mean? <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Is that you know I'll get in a good three days, and then come home and be like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. No, I mean it. This is bullshit. And this is where the resilience comes in. Yeah, is being able to um, understand that nothing is nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. Change is constant all the time and how we feel in one moment we may feel differently in the next and sometimes we can get it all bunched up though you know i mean we can feel like this is our life every single day but there's so much more if we're if we're able to have the resilience to stick with things um in that you know the adversity we can find ourselves moving towards triumph and knowing that you know what i've been here before i'll get to the other side let me just breathe which is where meditation comes in Mm -hmm. you know being connected back to um yourself you know being connected to your na'al to uh, your stomach and your heart and your body and the earth and everything else around you it's like just getting centered you know so yeah it's like i i totally believe in um gosh there's so much but you know yoga and meditation music and all of that just to get centered somehow i'm always listening to always <laughs> always always listening to meditation music it's because i've got to make sure that my vibe is right yeah you know i mean it's like a um Gail Stringer over at the Hawaii General Store, she uh, she calls um, Kiapu uh, the uh, Pono Police because <laughs> <laughs> Kiapu's got to make sure that everybody is staying Pono, you know, everybody's staying right. And Gail is pretty cool because she's Howley. Mm-hmm. But the first time I met her, I heard her voice upstairs in the office, and I was like thinking. Oh, you know what? She could, her voice could be like Moana. And then she comes down and she's white, right? She's howly, she's blonde hair. And I was like, oh, cognitive dissonance, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to think because in my head, I had brown girl, curly hair, flower in her hair and everything. And in front of me is this straight, blonde haired, blue eyed. <laughs> woman and i was like you just blew my mind and in that moment i was able to articulate that to gail where it's like holy shit you're howly and she's like i get that all the time she was born and raised there right yeah yeah so she's a she's a yeah she's really cool Mm -hmm. she's really cool so i don't know where i was going with that it's a good story a good story. Perspectives. Perspectives. Go, go visit the Hawaii General Store if you're in Seattle, Washington. It's uh, just outside, the, outside yeah. the U District on 45th Street. All right. So uh, are we wrapping up? Yeah, we can wrap up. Let's talk about a couple of things before okay. we do. So um, so gigs you've got going on. Um, well, I am actually going to be uh, doing a, gosh, I forgot what it is, but I'll be at Edmonds School District. I'll be speaking at Edmonds School District on the evening of the 27th mm-hmm. of March. 
And then I'm doing Day of Dialogue at the um, Duwamish Longhouse on um, March 30th, so March 27th, March 30th. Ooh, what else do I have? A faculty, um, student of color conference in Yakima is coming up. Um, step up. I'm doing step up. Um, moving, uh, moving, moving racial inequity forward, I think is. I, I might be screwing it up. Sorry, Tammy, if I am. But that's going to be over um, through the uh, leadership Snohomish County. Mm-hmm. So I'll be at, um, I think, the convention center in Linwood. And that's sometime at the end of April. I'll be at Grace Harbor Community College doing a um, DEI workshop there. You've got Navahine Okamana coming up, <laughs> The Power of Women. Wait, that was just April. That was April. So, that yeah, was in just May. April. <laughs> yeah, that was just mm-hmm. April. In May, on May 11th, we have, um, yeah, the Navahine Okamana, the Power of Women Summit coming up um, at the. Uh, uh, Hollywood Schoolhouse in Woodenville. Mm-hmm. We just had our kickoff um, on Saturday. It was amazing. Thank you, everybody who came out that made it successful. And there was some amazing energy in that room. Oh, yes. That is the mana. You know, that is the energy that, you know, that uh, my team and I bring because seriously. I wouldn't be able to do it without my team. Yeah, you've got a good team. I have a fucking amazing team. Who's the um, Who is the Power of Women Summit for? The Power of Women Summit is for all women and also identifying women as well, too, open to LGBTQIA. Uh, it's, uh, it is a summit that really will um, show how show others how to have to gather uh, you know to come to this platform to learn to listen to be challenged to have dialogue with one another the dia- the kind of dialogue that will um, continue the empowerment of other women because when we lift each other up that's what we actually should do we can move further we can be stronger together um, and also having the conversation about advancing justice and peace. You've for got all. some speakers going on there, too. We have some amazing speakers that is going to be um, there. We have Erin Jones. We have Davina Dorr from she is the uh, deputy director at the city of Bothell. We have Keila Hall is going to be there. We have Shamina Abji. We have Rosemary McAuliffe. Senator Rosemary McAuliffe is going to come in and she's going to say a few words. She's actually the one that is hosting the summit the at the uh, Hollywood Schoolhouse. We have Paula Turkle that's going to be coming in from San Francisco. She's an author of um, many books around women empowerment. We have Dr. Joy Wiggins that is coming in from Bellingham. What's up, Joy? She's actually the author of the book um, Sabotage to Support. And she speaks a lot on how women sabotage each other and that we should stop doing that because this world needs us. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to be moderating it. So I'm going to moderate the um, like a fireside chat so, you know, just kind of like asking, asking the, uh, the speakers, uh, the keynotes uh, questions and everything in, in dialogue, kind of like this. So like having a live podcast with them. And I will, I'm going to put out a survey to, the, um, to all of the attendees that, you know, to ask questions, what kind of, based off of the biography of the uh, speaker, what kind of questions they want to ask. So registration is open right now, early mm-hmm. bird registration. Uh, you can, it's $50, and then it's going up on Friday, February 15th. So I would... It's already past February 15th. I'm not February, March 15th. <laughs> March 15th. So this Friday, March 15th, early bird ends. So you can register at www.powerofwomen.rocks. How do you spell rocks? R-O-C-K-S. Okay, normal. I don't know. It could have been R-O-X-X. Like, that would have been cool. <laughs> no, powerofwomen.rocks. Okay. R-O-C-K-S. All right. And um, 
we, uh, you know, we are, if you found this podcast, but we are on SoundCloud as well as the iTunes store at this point. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and, uh, and if you want to participate in contributing or saying a thank you for this podcast, uh, you can go to patreon.com and, uh, and contribute there. Uh, we have, uh, it's patreon.com backslash plowline. Yes, please support. <laughs> Don't so put me in the box. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. If we're going to go there, let me out of the box. All right. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for joining Thank us. You. And we want to continue to uh, make um, great content for you and and uh, really appreciate everybody's support. And once again, you are... Jeremy Tunnell. Down. Oh, my what? bad. What? Right. It would have been so much cooler. I don't feel like it's going to be that cool. No. Yes, it is. Uh, I am Jeremy Tunnell, and I am down with brown. And I am Jerry Valarosa Tunnell, and I am all right with white. Take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye.